0: I was recording all alone.
1: So, what, what do we
2: have to talk about this week, fellas?
0: Hey, guys. I
2: guess we could talk about the sports complex vote, but oh, wait, that's our guest this week. So, let's we'll save it for that.
1: Stay tuned, y'all. <laughs> How's school going, you guys? Good question. As you
0: can see, (laughs) I had a little trouble today.
1: Some difficulty.
0: Our internet went out at some point this morning, and that just ruined everything. Is that happening to a lot
1: of people, you think?
0: I don't know. Spectrum here at our house goes out like once a week for like 10 minutes, seems like.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we have a lot of issues with that at our house, too.
2: Yeah, my wife has is, is mostly ninety-nine point nine percent monitoring our children and their learning experience right now. And uh I actually got I actually I don't know if I should be sharing this, I got uh, scolded today because of my lack and lack of involvement in their learning experience. So um but it seems to be going well. Otherwise. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> No, they, uh, but yeah, same problems. Uh, you know, internet connections seem to be uh, a problem for a lot of kids and it's hit us a few times. Um, my daughter also takes dance and, uh, they're doing virtual lessons right now and it seems to be an even bigger problem for them and whatever dance studio she's with. And they just don't seem to have very good wifi fi And so she's not getting the full experience and we're not getting our money's worth from it right now. So while I think there are tons of benefits from remote learning and we're going to be a different society because of it, I also think that uh, we've got a long way to go to make this as flawless as we want it to be. You need communities everywhere that have broadband, internet, you need, uh, 5g everywhere 6g everywhere whatever and uh you know i'm still at a point where when i drive to work at campbell university i still hit spots where i don't even get a phone reception and uh yeah we're in 2020 man we're the flying cars yeah. where where's the where's the video phones and the oh wait <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> i guess
2: we're doing that right now yeah
0: <laughs> so i think the the biggest thing the funniest thing that's happened is that Cameron came down today and was like, Oh, I'm so sore. <laughs> I had gym class. And I was like, what? And he was like, they made us do a hundred push-ups. <laughs> like, if wow. I would have walked in on that, that would have been hilarious. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you good. We hear you. We just didn't think it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not very funny.
2: Well, so
1: for you guys that are uh, doing this now, have their would do you feel like the a lot of the concerns were founded? Has there been stuff that worked that you didn't expect or vice versa? Uh,
2: I, don't, well, I, I don't know. Think... What, yeah, I don't know what the concerns were, but... Well, the concern was that there's no way to give
1: quality instruction to kids over the internet.
2: I think I think they're learning. I I think you would poll most students and they say they would rather be at school. There's something to be said about face-to-face interaction. There's something to be said about being amongst your peers, but you know, there's also a global pandemic going on and you're seeing, you know, what's happening to I know colleges and high schools around the country right now. So better safe than sorry, I suppose. And if this is the way it's gotta be, then, then I think everybody's making the best of it. I think teachers are doing an outstanding job. Um, we've been watching uh, my kids' teachers at work and, um, you know, whereas last year, I think they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants when this all happened very suddenly. I think whatever they went through over the summer to better prepare for it has certainly shown. And my kids have more regular assignments now. They have a more regular schedule now. And so, yeah, I think they're doing a, a phenomenal job. The The problem seems to be on our end. We've got a eight-year-old son who uh, will catch looking um, – clicking the Google Chrome tabs and looking at Lego videos when he should be, you know, listening to his teacher. And we've got, you know, uh, we've got kids who have Kindles and have friends who are trying to Facebook Messenger, FaceTime, Kids Messenger, whatever it's called, while they're trying to. And so it's, it's just, there's too much technology right now and we're having a tough time making our kids focus on what they should be focusing on.
1: But a kid who's not going to pay very well, very good attention over the internet might not pay very good attention in the classroom, right?
2: Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) What are you saying about my kid? (laughs) No, what 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 I'm saying is,
1: what I'm saying is, I remember twelve years of public school in thirteen, including kindergarten.
2: Yeah.
1: In which I made an art format of not paying attention in, in class.
2: I think it's harder to zone out in online learning because um the teacher sees all the faces at once you know rather than you, you in a regular classroom i guess you can hide behind another student or you know kind of lay your head down behind your book or wear the glasses that have the open eyes on them <laughs> 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 and uh it's a little harder to do online because she has the brady bunch screen up and she can see everybody's faces and uh and they have a lot of slides and they have a lot of assignments that they have to do in real time. Uh, maybe it's harder to, to zone out like this. Who knows? That's I don't. interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I ain't got to do it. So <laughs> that said, I, don't know I, if it's... I, I zone out in my work meetings though, but that's because I have 30 other tabs open and I'm trying to do other work. And I only listen when my name is called. <laughs> And if I don't, yeah, I don't respond and I hear Billy, anything. what, Billy, Billy. I said, Oh, I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: What are y'all talking about?
2: Yeah. Huh? What? Yeah. But, uh, so speaking of work, uh, I have returned to work for twice a week now instead of the once a week. And I have a roving, a roving third or fourth day should they need me there. But, uh, Campbell university's campus has resumed and, um, and I got to say, I, uh, I was actually with uh, your friend Ben Gordon um, on campus on Monday. He was shooting fo- photos for us for, for our upcoming magazine, and he and I both noticed or took note of really the, the new normal on college campuses that are still open right now, and that is everybody masked, everybody socially distant. Uh, classrooms where chairs are marked, where you can't sit in this chair, you can't sit in this chair, uh, teachers who are wearing masks, teachers who are teaching behind partitions, uh, medical school students who are wearing the masks and face shields when they deal with patients. It was it was, uh, quite um, different, but then... Kind you know, of science fiction-y. Science, very, very, very... That's, that's a great word for it. It was very science fiction-y. And, but then it eventually becomes normal. And you know, what's going to happen is when, when all of this kind of goes away and, and we're all not wearing masks again, that's going to feel weird. (laughs) And you're going to be a lot more aware of people who are breathing around you and, and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, it was very, very strange, but uh, Campbell university is, uh, um, is still open, still functioning. Uh, they're about to release their number of cases and I can, uh, I can't give the number right now, but I can tell you it's very, very low compared to what you're seeing with, uh, with universities that had to go back to online learning. And so, uh, so far so good at Campbell. And I think a lot of other universities are keeping their fingers crossed and, and just kind of hoping this, this experiment works because uh, you know, UNC and ECU and NC state, you uh, it went downhill very quickly for them, and uh, I can't imagine that the students there are very happy. And then you're losing a lot of room and board dollars at these universities, and and uh, that's going to cost some jobs, I think. So, um, keeping our fingers crossed.
1: We just have to get to November. Just got to get the election.
2: <laughs> got it. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. We have to get to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, all the schools will shut down anyway. But uh, yeah, it's only two months, man. You know, it can happen. You can make it.
1: That would be three months.
2: Two full months. September, October. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Uh, we're screwed, aren't we?
1: So our guest this week is Susan Keller. She is the co-chair of the Lee Grow Play Succeed campaign, which is advocating for the passage of the bond that will fund the multi-sport complex that is proposed uh, at Highway 42 and the bypass. So Susan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in this, how it all got started and what it is that you're doing.
3: Okay, so my name is Susan Keller and I got involved because um, some of the people that were heavily involved in the planning and the research um, really wanted to get this thing through on this particular year, and the county commissioners um, sort of, which was a bit of a surprise, voted to go ahead and put it on the ballot this year in spite of current conditions with the pandemic and a lot of unknowns. Um, and so that I, I was asked to be a part of it, and it was something that I really believe in and think can be a great thing for the community. So I said I would do it.
1: Okay. Well, um, we've written... It's been a a year plus since, but we've written about the sports complex, but why don't you tell anybody who's listening about what the proposal is? I mean, it's easy to say multi-sport complex and have an idea, but can you go into some details?
3: Sure. So the site plan, um, which did come out of quite a bit of research. So it wasn't just five people sitting in a room saying, I think we need to have this. There was some research done about what was really needed. And so there are diamonds, I'm looking at the plan right now. There's 10 um, rectangular fields that could be used for soccer, football, lacrosse, rugby, like Red Rover, whatever you want to use them for. And then there are five diamonds that would be for baseball and softball. Uh, There's like a concession field house sort of thing, lots of bleachers, lots of parking. There's Mm -hmm. a walking trail, there's a pond, and there's a site designated for a hotel space as, as well, because you know, the hope is that you're drawing lots of people from out of town that will need a place to stay.
1: Right. Right. So this has been something that's been in the planning stages for several years, right?
3: Yeah. The studies were done in 2015. And so that in some ways makes them old, but in other ways, the numbers are only better than what they were in 2015. For example, Mm -hmm. it comes to like, um, I can't think of the number off the top of my head, but the number of youth between the ages of like six and 18 that live within a 60 mile drive, it's a massive number. So it was the, At the time it was the biggest number in the state uh, in a 60 mile drive of Sanford of kids that would play these sports. And there's no way that that number has done anything, but probably grow exponentially since 2015.
1: Mm-hmm. How have you guys gone about, the promotion, I know you have a website and I know there's some social media. What, what are you guys doing specifically to get the word out that this is on the ballot and to persuade people to, to vote for it?
3: Well, it's been a little bit challenging running a campaign in the middle of COVID and trying to reach people when they, the usual right to do something like this would be to kind of hit your Rotary Clubs, go to like Sassel signups and Northview signups and things like that. And a lot of those things really aren't happening. And if they are happening, they're happening over a longer period of time with smaller amounts of people there at a given time. So it's really, it's harder to get to a big group of people because big groups of people just aren't getting together at one time. So, um, so that's why we came up with the website, which is sort of a landing place for everybody to find what they need. And then all the information is there. And then we're just sort of trying to, um, get it out into the community via email, via Facebook, via Instagram, via any virtual meetings that we hear about that take place, any sports signups, um, we're just trying to handle it that way. Everything. Mm-hmm. The majority of what we're doing is electronic. It's a bit of an experiment, to be quite honest with you. It's not the usual way to do something like this, but it's been sort of, I mean, it's forced our hand, the situation. So that's what sure. we've been doing.
1: Do you want to share your uh, your social media channels and the, the, what the website is?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So it's leegrowplaysucceed.com. And then the Facebook and Instagram um, sort of handles are, it's at leegrowplaysucceed.
2: Hey, Susan, this is Billy. Uh, I want to ask you a few questions about the the election and um, and the campaign to, uh, to get this thing passed. But if we can first ask you, so in November, when everybody goes to vote for president here in Lee County, they're going to see this as a bond referendum. Uh, mistake me if I'm wrong, or, or correct me if I'm mistaken, sorry. Uh, they're going to vote on this as a bond referendum. Can you tell us how, how's that going to be worded? What, what are, what are we voting for?
3: I do have the wording. I meant to print it out. So you are voting on a bond referendum and it actually for every person in Lee County is going to be the very last item on your ballot. And so it is worded as a bond referendum for $24 million. Um, it's a parks Lee County parks and recreation bond referendum. The only one that is on there. It does mention the sportsplex. Um, the language is a tiny bit. Vague. It doesn't say exactly the things that are included in the sportsplex, but it, it, the bond is for the construction of a multi-sport complex in Lee County by the Parks and Rec.
2: And when people vote for or against it, say it, say it passes. Uh, what does that? What does that mean for? Not. What does it mean as far as how they're going to be affected in taxes?
3: So the tax implication is four cents per $100 of assessed value. So when I say implications, that's kind of the maximum amount that it could cost property owners in Lee County. I think the hope is, and certainly the probably definite situation pre-COVID would have been that 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 wouldn't happen because our tax base is growing so much with all the businesses and people that are coming um, that we wouldn't really need that additional funding to take care of this. I think because of COVID, it's a possibility that that might happen. I I think they're still hopeful that that would not have to happen. What it equates to for a normal person in the county, for the average homeowner, is about $60 per year, which we're calling two cups of coffee a month.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you've done the research on this, but uh, just going from my memory of the last 10 years, I want to say bond referendums typically do well in Lee County as far as people who want them passed. I remember the bond referendum for the construction or the renovation of Lee County High School. And uh I wanna say there was one for playgrounds. Am I wrong, Gordon? Or the city
1: had four bonds in twenty thirteen that
2: they all passed. Yeah. So uh so I guess where I was going with that bonds team tend to do well here but these are different times. And, uh, and you, you explained a little bit about your approach this year, but um, how do you present something like this to people who maybe the first negative response you'll hear is, yeah, but will we ever get to use it?
3: (laughs) Well, I think that yes, we will get to use it. And I, and it's an outdoor space, right? Which Lee County desperately needs more outdoor recreation spaces. I mean, that's been well-documented that we need those things. And so even, even if COVID continues, which of course it's not because we know that this is gonna get better, even if it did, this does provide outdoor space and there are some outdoor sports that are taking place right now. And, and it would, and there's walking trails and a pond. And I mean, it provides some great recreation space for the community um, kind of regardless if things jump back right away. And the construction is not gonna start like tomorrow or anything or the day after it passes, right? That it gives the county seven years to do the project. And so they, they will take the time to make sure that it's financially prudent for them to do it. They're not just gonna jump right in.
2: And uh, my final question, and then I'll hand it off to John or Gordon whoever wants to take it, but like I said, I know you guys have done a ton of research and, and I've seen your website, but if you can explain, um, obviously there has to be a need for something before you wanna present it to the public. And aside from just, it, it would be nice of course it would be nice, but um, what are some, what, what do you list as the reason why Lee County needs this?
3: Uh, well, there was a study done, which I can pull up for you, but it is on the website, the whole study. That sh- there, they pulled, I think it was over a thousand people. Um, I'm trying to think of the organization that did the study. It's a well-known one, but it's like escaping me right now. Um, let's see. There's one done by Brailsford and Dunn lobby. That was the cost projection study. And they mapped out the potential um, revenue, which equates to about $2 million a year uh, in economic activity. And then there was another study that where those thousand people were surveyed that asked them, what what do you think is lacking in Lake County? Like, what do we need? Do we need more football fields? Do we need more soccer fields? Like, what do we need? And so the resounding answer was yes, we need lots of these things. And then they kind of rated what do we need the most? And then that went into the economic study, which is like, okay, we need these things. But can we also kill two birds with one stone and actually create something that the community needs, but that also is going to generate revenue? And so then they picked the items that we needed, but that also could potentially bring in people from out of town and generate more of them.
0: Uh, Hey, this is John. Um, So I spend most of my weekends out at these fields across the state. My son's been playing baseball since he was seven and he's well, since he was probably five, but travel ball since he was around seven or eight. And now he's 14. And I know that a lot of money goes with me to these other cities. um, However, talk about, I guess, the financial impact of maybe just not just the place itself, but you know, hotels and things like that.
3: Well, I mean, it puts, um, you know, feet under tables at our restaurants. It puts heads and beds in our hotels. It puts people spending money in our shops downtown and like going into Broadway and going and get some barbecue in downtown Broadway. And,
0: yeah. you know,
3: it, it puts people here spending money, which, you know, right. And everybody knows that has a kid that plays travel ball. I mean, you, you spend money wherever you are and yeah. spend it here.
0: Yeah, so the McDonald's and the subway will be very busy. <laughs> I know that.
3: Well, hopefully it would generate some, you know, activity. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. people in town for the weekend besides just at McDonald's. So <laughs> I'm sure we'll see an increase. I don't know how they can handle any more people, but I'm sure they will yeah. see more
0: too. So what I've noticed is that it's pretty common in the triangle area, these big complexes like this. There's several of them. There's a few in Greensboro, but not, large, not too large. There's one in Fayetteville, and there's a huge one in Rocky Mount. But I will agree that Sanford has a great opportunity because of its situation, that it's right in the middle of the state, and there's really nothing around it that compares to it. I mean, if you build this complex. Um, so, that, and it would
3: be top tier. I mean, we're not going to sort of halfway do this. I mean, the plan is really very ambitious. It's going to be a very nice complex, something that I think would generate a lot of community pride too. It's going to be really nice.
2: So John, and you, I go, know, you go to a lot of these. Uh, what What are some? What makes them nice to you as a parent?
0: So I was just going to bring that up. The, uh, the Holly Springs parks uh, are nice because they also have Teen Park, which is like a stadium that they hold like a collegiate baseball league. So they have kind of almost like a minor league stadium right there on the property. So that's pretty cool. Um, Nice bathrooms are really important, (laughs) (laughs) especially for the moms. The moms will bring their own like disinfectant because they know how terrible these bathrooms are. So, yeah, but yeah.
3: I think that's a concern, right, as we build the thing, (laughs) but then you build it, and you have to maintain it, and you have to maintain it well, and I think the county is aware of that, and they, I I believe, and I'm not a county elected official. I do not work for the county, but I believe the plan is for them to have a management company that is experienced in running these venues do it so that it can be done cost-effectively and done
2: well. I had to step away for a second. I had someone here fixing a door, so... Uh, So if this was brought up, I apologize, but can you tell us why that location um, off of uh, the bypass near um, Broadway Road?
3: Well, I think that, um, A, the accessibility is fantastic there. People coming up from Fayetteville, people coming down from Raleigh, uh, coming from Greensboro. Everybody can get to it really easily. It's very visible. It'd be a really visible uh, sort of symbol of uh, the community's commitment to growth. and I, and I think the land was, part of it's being donated, part of it's going to be purchased. Um, it just ended up kind of all the pieces coming together for that to work out and be a big enough piece of land in a good spot that we could use. Cool.
0: So I think our story in last year, you know, our photos were mostly of base baseball kids. Um, some people maybe, I think we got criticized. We didn't focus enough on the soccer, but the soccer is a very big part of it especially in lee county because we don't really have any nice soccer fields right now i mean we have i think they're doing some stuff at northview and
1: at the, that time and I, I don't think it's changed but at that time we were told that there are no regulation soccer fields in lee county
0: yeah and that's amazing one i think that i think, I
3: mean, they I think, I think the uh, lee county high school i think is regulation size
0: right think, but it's a football yeah, it's field only
3: one but it, yes exactly
0: so yeah that will be a huge deal for not only our Hispanic community, but our also our travel soccer. I mean, we have a nice Sassel program that is pretty well known. So are they going to take up residence there or is they,
3: I think there's yeah, opportunity. Decision. I mean, it's a venue, right? So it'll be rented yeah. out for tournaments, which Castle could, of course, take part in. And then during the week, I think the goal is for it to be accessible for all of these community organizations, maybe even some of the schools, maybe even Central Carolina Community College. I think there's sort of a dream there that they can they don't have a baseball program right now. And this would oh, allow them be to cool. do that and kind of have a home.
0: Yeah, that'd be cool if they had a baseball program. Because, you know, junior college and community college, is, baseball is pretty... I mean, it's pretty well. I mean, it's it is. It's pretty good. So,
2: so I know we're we're about two months away from from the election. What uh, what's to use a baseball t- term? Um, <laughs> uh, you passed the seventh inning stretch here, I guess. Uh, what what are you doing down the home stretch to uh, to get the word out?
3: Well, you'll see more stuff on social media. So, anything you guys want to do to like and share and follow would be greatly appreciated mm-hmm. to get the word out. Uh, but you'll see a lot more postings on social media where obviously we're advertising in the rant. Um, I have an interview tomorrow with Margaret Murchison on the radio. We're running some ads through her on the radio as well. And then we're just kind of hardcore reaching out to the schools. I, I emailed all the PTO presidents yesterday, kind of asking them to get the word out. Regardless of how you feel about it, it's an item on your ballot. It's on everybody's ballot. They need to understand what it is. So we're really looking at it from here on out as an informational thing to really get out there. Like, this is what this is. This is why we think you should support it, but you need to understand what it is and the potential implications for you and your family and the businesses here in town. Most of which are really good implications. Yeah.
1: What feedback have you gotten and what concerns have you heard from people?
3: So there have been some concerns that have come up. People think somehow it's just a venue and they're not ever going to be able to use it, which is just, Mm -hmm. that's not true. That's not part of the vision of it. It is an economic driver. I mean, that is one of the main goals, but it's not going to have stuff going on there all the time that people are paying for. There's a lot of time that that can be used for community organizations. And that was one of the primary goals was to help get us some more green space for our teams and our organizations. Mm -hmm. So that's one concern that's come up. Um, people have uh, picked apart some of the specifics of it. Like um, I, right now, I think it's showing two sand volleyball courts. People have asked for maybe we can do some half court uh, basketball courts instead. That might be something that would be more appreciated by some of the people in the community. And those those specific things will definitely be looked at. And there will be plenty of time for more public comment on those specific things. Mm-hmm. Um I think a lot of people are, anything that even mentions the word taxes, there are people that automatically kind of say no. Um, My answer to that is, you know, you're, you have to invest in your community, which I know you guys know, right? You're, You're investing in your kids at this point with this project, you're investing in your local businesses, you're investing in helping the whole community recover from a pretty crummy time with COVID. And you're helping them look forward to a better time and plan for it. So when all this is kind of in the past, as much as it can be, we're ready to move forward because growth is coming here. I mean, it, it, it is. We need to be ready for it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Susan, I think um, that's kind of covers everything. Is there anything before we wrap this up that you wanted to say that we haven't asked you about or that, that you would like to emphasize?
3: No, I don't think so. I think there are a lot of pluses to this project, which is why I really agreed to get involved with it. My kids are older. They don't play the sports. I'm not in it really for myself. I'm just in it for the community as a whole because I think it's right. it's a way to elevate Sanford to kind of another level. Like, it's a quality of life thing. Like, Let's make this a better place to be for everybody. And I think that's a big piece of the puzzle.
1: That's why I, I'm the only one out of <laughs> everybody on this podcast that doesn't have kids but I think it's a good idea because it makes this a more attractive place for all kinds of things that I might be interested in you know and right. that's that's sort of the way I feel about how you have to look at this but okay well thank you Susan um right. let Thanks us care. know if you need anything
3: all right take care right.
1: you too bye. bye
3: Bye.
0: bye so Billy tell us about this hurricane yeah, your, your family. It's uh, it's
2: taking the so back in 2005, um, when I was in Louisiana, Hurricane Katrina hit around the same time. It was in early September, though. And then a week later, Hurricane Rita, the, the lesser known of the, the two hurricanes, hit. And Rita, actually, we were in Lafayette, Louisiana, which geographically is kind of the bottom center of the state near Baton Rouge. And uh, Rita actually caused more damage to us than Katrina did because we were on the right side of the storm. And as most of you know, if you're on the, the East side of a hurricane, that's where the rotation hits you worse. And then the West side of a hurricane is usually um, not, not nearly as bad. So we got more damage from Rita and it turned, it looks like Laura took the exact same path as Rita did, which was hitting uh, right in between Lake Charles and Beaumont, Texas. And, uh, I've seen, um, I've heard no deaths so far, but I've seen some of the damage and uh, um, and it's pretty significant. There was a casino on the water that got shifted from its base and stuck under the I-10 bridge, an entire casino. So that's wow. something. There's an RV, there's a video of an RV that, uh, not RV height, but although that would be funny, <laughs> <laughs> of an RV that got flipped in the <laughs> <hurricane>. <laughs> Uh, oh my God. <laughs> you guys
0: uh, <laughs> oh you boys and uh, oh look there's a large chemical leak in lake charles yeah um one of the things i noticed about rita
2: was for several years after it it damaged the wildlife and the trees there so much that uh for like five years afterward the trees were still brown and they were all twisted and gnarled and uh, none of it had grown back and they had to go through and i think burn down you know, damaged forests and let it kind of regrow. But so I think that's probably what the most of the damage is. But you know, people down there are used to this. They're, they prepare, they evacuate. We've got uh, Jennifer's uncle lives in Lake Charles and he ended up driving to Texas. And I think he had to go like seven or eight hours before he found a, a place that wasn't wow.
0: cool. So, wow. Yeah. I saw. Uh, uh, Opelousas on the map, on the Weather Channel map. And I was like, oh, I know somebody from there, sort of. Yeah, my stomping
2: grounds. (laughs) That's where you worked, right? Yeah, and it's similar to Sanford in that it's about, uh, well, Opelousas is closer. Lafayette's closer. It's about 45 minutes, I think, from the coast down there. So it's not like, it's not a coastal town, but it's far enough inland to where hurricanes make a difference, and when we moved to Sanford, I never thought being two hours from the coast would, uh, we would get much damage from a hurricane, and uh, I was wrong. I was, I was certainly wrong.
0: When's but the last one we had that was really bad? I, we years. all kind of run right. together. Well, all the
2: all the flooding
1: that year, right? Yeah,
2: Not it was really. a couple of years, ago. it was Fayetteville that got, and I-95 got really the terrible parts of it, but we had pretty significant damage, and I actually had uh, roof damage from it, and that's... uh, That was three or four years ago. We had a major leak through our roofs because of the flooding.
1: I want to say it was 2018.
2: Mm, Yeah. Sounds right. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, so we had significant damage from from Matthew. I I think it was Matthew. Floyd? Or is that way long ago? Floyd was in 1999. Yeah. Matthew... Mark, Luke and John. Yeah, I think it was Luke. That was the bad one. <laughs> well, no, that, that, was
0: <laughs> that was Kane. Hurricane Kane.
1: So here's something that I made a note to talk about this week. I don't know if last week's episode of the podcast was a turning point for us, but I got lots of feedback from people who are listening both directly and indirectly. So uh, do you guys feel like our audience is growing or have you heard anything or do you know it all?
2: I, I followed the numbers and uh, it looks like we are steadily growing. I think Podbean numbers that they give us their analytics. Don't tell the whole story. Cause I think people that stream us from our, from the rant website, we have significantly larger visits to the, to the web, to the podcast page and about half the number of actual streams. So I don't know if that's just people that are visiting the page and saying, nah, <laughs> I'm not going right. to quit play or, or what, or if Podbean makes you log on, listen for a certain amount of time before they register you. I have no idea. But but uh, that said, no, we're doing very, very well. And um, I can't remember which episode was like way higher than the others. It was a couple weeks ago, I think was um, it the margaret
1: murchison episode
2: i well, no, that one did well too but it was uh um i'll no, shoot who who'd we have who we have last week why lisa am i mathis. drawing a blank? lisa mathis who was the week before that
0: chat was it chat no
2: um yeah see they all run together yeah. <laughs> um a uh,
1: week before that it was ricky secor
2: yeah ricky secor that one did extremely well like yeah double the numbers so good job ricky I don't know what you did, but um, I think people wanted to hear what a principal had to say. And, uh, yeah, it did really well. Friends of the Rain
1: ain't nothing more than a popularity contest. Yeah.
2: Well, I think we we provide a a service in that we talk about local issues, and we try to have a little fun with it, and, you know, it's not like we, uh, I don't know, just come on here and talk about anything. It's usually stuff <laughs> at that all. is just a little bit relevant. Yeah. But we're trying and yeah, uh, and
1: I, we've got a, uh, at least one more guest lined up for the future. And I, I got an email and I've yet to respond to it, but I will, if you're listening um, that they would have loved it if they could have called in with questions. And I'm wondering if uh, that, that's probably not possible, but I'm wondering if in the future we can maybe tease who our guest is going to be and solicit listener questions.
2: There's, yeah, we could' there's set a couple a things form. we could do there's a couple things we could do we could uh, do that we could for guests that we think might attract more questions such as this one this week we could do a Facebook live and record it and that way people could ask questions as we're talking and we could better gauge just how many people are listening at at the at that moment anyway and then you can always take your recording from the facebook live and then and then put it Back into the podcast, um, or we could do the old Mister Show sketch where we have people the pre-taped call in. Colin <laughs> show.
0: Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> one of the best sketches ever, the pre-taped Colin show, and everybody that called in was actually calling about the previous week's show, and uh, which was airing at the same time that he was recording the current week's show. <laughs> it was quite confusing and absolutely. One of the funniest sketches I ever, ever saw. So yeah, Google pre-taped Colin show, uh, Mr. Show and uh, get ready to laugh because it's great. So we could do that too.
1: I think that's the way to go. So people would be calling
2: us this week about Lisa Mathis. And then next week they would be calling us about the sports complex, but we would be angry because we're actually interviewing somebody else and telling them that that's not relevant to this week.
1: So. We are we are glad to read feeder to read reader feedback on the air if you are so inclined, you can send um, such feedback to Gordon at rantnc.com, Billy at RantNC.com, or jonathan at rantnc.com. And if we deem it appropriate and meeting our high standards, we uh, will consider reading it on the air and giving that person. We a should shout also out.
2: we should also have a hotline where people can call in and give like their own 30 second rants and just play them on here.
1: I think the Dunn <laughs> Daily Record used to have something like that where you could call and speak for 30 seconds and then they'd like print it and That's it could be great. anything. You didn't have to give your name.
0: That's why that paper's so great. Why they call it leaving taking a dunk when you are actually leaving it. <laughs> <laughs> I would publish that
2: on air. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> And we would spend the next five minutes talking about it. But yeah, no, Gordon's right. Do that. And, uh, you know, ask us questions if you want to know about Gordon's, um, home life and what he does after 8 PM every night, ask, he'll, uh, he'll tell you.
1: I watch I TV like and to. eat.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's pretty much that. the extent of it for me too. So mm-hmm.
1: take pictures of my dog in my lap.
2: Hey, your, your wife posted a photo of you sleeping with your your dog next to you this week and I thought it was funny but is that true do you sleep with your eyes open
1: I've not been known to sleep with my eyes open but that was also in the morning I had been awake once sort of rolled back over when the dog jumped into bed and so I don't know if that contributed to the the one eye being open but
2: I say you look dead (laughs) that's what it was was disarming (laughs)
1: A friend of mine in law enforcement told me that uh, he said he's seen that look on people's faces before, and but, but by that point, there was nothing he could do to help them. So, yeah, I did. I did look dead. I did look dead. Maybe, we'll, maybe we can include that photo in the uh, when we publish this.
2: Well, I know we don't talk national headlines much, but there was a, a headline this week that a woman was pronounced dead and uh oh yeah and she woke up in the morgue and um it happens a lot more than you think it does I, I mean I guess it always makes news but at least once a year I hear a story about you know the guy who moved in the coffin or or the uh you know the person who unzipped their bag in the morgue and how does that happen
1: well this one the person did not wake up in the morgue they She had apparently had a heart attack and was pronounced dead. And later on at the morgue, they noticed her breathing. So the prognosis, I would guess, is not good because that amount of time with an untreated heart attack is, I think, probably not a best practice.
2: But she survived. She survived.
1: As I understand it, she survived and was taken to the hospital, and I haven't heard in a couple days
2: because the way I imagined it was you know, you had two morticians who were joking about something and then they turned around and had a conversation. And as they turned around... Well, like they noticed her
1: laughing at their jokes.
2: Well, no, the body kind of did the slow rise (laughs) 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 behind them. And then uh, one of them looked at the other and said, did you hear that? And then hilarity ensued after that. But so I guess the way you described it, it's probably not as interesting though.
1: Right. I did catch, and I'm looking into this, I did catch uh, some a Facebook post that said that there was a legend that that had happened here at some point long ago, but due to some of the work I do, I have some relationships with people who have been longtime funeral directors. So I'm going to see if I can find out if there's any truth to that.
2: I think uh, there should be there should be a job in every county where your job is to double check that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Back, or, back up corner,
2: or yeah, or put a couple rounds in everybody before they. Oh God!
1: <laughs> Just shoot him in the foot.
2: Yeah. There you go. That would have woken her up. I think. Yeah. So
1: again, speaking of best practices, I'm guessing that's probably not one of them, but I imagine there are ways to ensure that you're correct about the, your assessment that somebody has ceased to be.
2: I like backup coroner though. That's a great job.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be the name of my next band
2: to two people have to uh, sign off on it or um, yeah. Yeah. I think I've exhausted this conversation. So Um. let
1: me ask you this, Billy, if you were the director of a funeral home, a funeral parlor. Yes. And one of your funeral directors um, oversaw an incident like this, would you fire them?
2: Uh, like you
1: fired me. <laughs> oh. yeah!
2: Yeah! Good screaming, everybody. <laughs> uh, only if <laughs> only if the head mortician told me to. <laughs> hey, so speaking of uh, looking for guests, you know, we a couple of years ago we did a story on a uh, makeup artist for uh, it was a Halloween story. It was for Comic Con. And uh, we did a, or I did the story on a makeup artist named Sierra, and uh, in the story we also uh, mentioned that she is a, um, I, I don't know the, her title, but she works at a funeral home and she uh, helps um, present bodies for their open casket funerals. That might be a fascinating guest. I, I would love to ask her about the people waking up in the, <laughs> in, the in the room and how she feels about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess that would th- be
2: my only question though, so it would be a boring interview after that.
1: I wonder if there are protocols for such a
2: instance. Yeah, that's a I mean that's a job that uh you got to have them. Every city has them. Multiple. They have to exist, but it's a job you don't want to really find out that much about unless you're ready to actually hear the truth because what goes into embalming somebody and what goes into just everything that goes into presenting somebody for, for burial. is just, yeah. you know, to them it's a job and they're used to it, but for guys like us to just walk in and, and see that happening, uh, I don't think we could take it.
1: One of my jobs in college was driving a flower delivery van and more frequently I would be sent to funeral homes to deliver floral arrangements for funerals, and that was the first time I can remember being in alone in a dark room with a dead body. Several times that summer.
0: <laughs>
2: and how did that make you feel?
1: Yeah. Um. It's <laughs> why I got into heavy metal music.
2: Yeah, that'll do it.
1: I was well, into heavy metal
2: music way before that. Well, gentlemen, um, it appears our time is running low, and uh, I got nothing else. So, yeah.